Please stand for the reading of today's gospel. Lesson from the book of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, from the New International Version. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Pope Leo X commissioned the great artist Raphael to depict a number of biblical scenes that would one day be on display in the Sistine Chapel, and this image of this morning's scripture text was one of them. And I don't know about you, but what I'm drawn to in this image is the look on Simon Peter's face as he kneels at the feet of Christ. And I think I'm drawn to it because it's a look I know pretty well. It's the look of fear. And if you think about everything that preceded this moment depicted here, then you can understand why Simon Peter might be a bit afraid. Try to put yourselves in his shoes in this story. He had been fishing all night long. He's probably tired. He comes in after a long night of work, and instead of going home, he finds that his boat has been commandeered by a man named Jesus that he had met previously, and, and Jesus begins teaching and preaching. And after the sermon was over, Simon Peter was probably a bit relieved, thinking, finally, I get to go home and take a nap. Maybe that's what you're thinking right now. But he probably becomes a little frustrated because instead of letting him go home to take a nap, Jesus gives him a request. Verse 
He says, go and put out into deep water and let down your nets once again. And on the surface, this seems like a pretty normal request, but, it, but if you think of it from Simon Peter's perspective, it's a bit of an audacious request because remember, Jesus is not a professional fisherman. Simon Peter is a professional fisherman. So if you ever had somebody come to your job and tell you how to do your job, you can imagine the frustration he might have had in his heart in that moment. Don't forget he had also been washing his nets, and now if he goes back out, he's going to have to go back out and then wash them again. He knows this lake like the back of his hand. He knows the fishing spots, and he knows that he fished all night and there were no fish. And also, the, the fishing they did in the, those days wasn't typically with a rod and a reel. Instead, it was with nets. A lot of times, there were white linen nets. And so, he knew that the fish would be able to see the nets during the daytime, and he'd probably catch nothing once again. But we find in the Scripture that he obliges. He listens to Jesus' request. Maybe it's because Jesus recently healed his mother-in-law, and he felt like he owed Jesus. Maybe it was because everyone else in the crowds was listening to Jesus. All we know is that he took Jesus at his word and he went out into the deep water. He let down the nets and we see a great miracle. So many fish that he can't haul them in himself. He needs his friends to help him. So many fish that the nets begin to break. So many fish we read that the boats begin to sink. And it's in that moment that Simon Peter falls on his knees in a sense of reverent fear with a great sense of his own sinfulness and Jesus' holiness mixed together. And he feels unworthy to be in Jesus' presence. And so I think that's some of the fear that's in his eyes in these, this picture. But I also think he had another type of fear. And I think it's because of what Jesus says next, Jesus, instead of moving away from him like Peter requests, he moves towards him and he says this. He says, Simon Peter, do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And I think Simon Peter was probably feeling a bit of fear with this calling because Simon Peter was being called away from a way of life that was familiar, that was comfortable. It was known. He was being called to a new way of life. It was something he'd probably never envisioned for himself. He had thought about being a fisherman all of his life, and that's what the plan was for him. And now it's something completely different. And so he likely had a great sense of fear thinking about this new calling. And yet with this great sense of fear... And with all of the flaws that he had that we'll find later in the Gospels as we read more about his story, with fear and with flaws, he responds with obedience to this calling of Christ. And his world and our world were never the same. J. Ellsworth Callis, a Methodist preacher, once wrote this, when you and I think of the apostles, we usually get caught in a stained glass syndrome. We see them as finished products, devout, unswerving, and possessing great singleness of purpose. We forget that when Jesus called them, they were not picture saints, but human beings. And that's exactly who Simon Peter was. 
He was just an ordinary man going about his business one day when Jesus sought him out. Jesus met him. He had an encounter with Christ's love, his mercy, and his grace. He received a calling from Christ to go and to fish for people. And from that day forward, everything was different in his life. And what I want to say to you this morning is I think, although that's Simon Peter's story, I think at a level it's meant to be all of our stories as well. Because Jesus is still seeking out ordinary sinners like you and like me. He seeks to share with us his mercy and his grace. He gives us that same calling to go and to fish for people. And maybe you resonate with parts of that story. Maybe, maybe you know Christ. You know Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You know your life is different because of his presence in your life. But for so many of us, the story gets cut short because of the fear in our hearts and in our lives. So often we don't take the next step and live out this calling he gives us to fish for people. And this morning, as, as a pastor here in this church, I want to tell you that it's okay to have that fear. I understand the fear about going and fishing for people. Because it's a little bit of an odd metaphor or one that we're not really used to. Because for so many of us, when we think about fishing, we think about catching a fish and then taking it and using it for our own purposes. That's called catching and keeping. But what, what Jesus is calling Simon Peter to and calling us to here is a little bit different. In the Greek, the word to fish here, it literally means to take alive or to rescue for life. And so the calling he's calling us to partner with him to do is to help people be caught up in God's grace and released from everything holding them back from becoming the person that God desires for them. He's calling us to catch and release. In churchy words, we call this the work of evangelism. Evangelism is simply a word that means to share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. To share with people that God hasn't left us alone in our broken and sinful world that he created out of love for us. Instead, out of his great love, he entered into the story in the person of Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life, showing us the way of life. He died an atoning death on the cross. He rose again on the third day, defeating death. And he lives and reigns with God the Father Almighty now and forever. That's what evangelism is. It's simply sharing the good news of what Christ has done for us with others. But evangelism is a word that strikes fear in the hearts of people outside of the church. And a lot of times it strikes fear in our hearts inside of the church as well. Because so many of us have seen evangelism done in weird ways, in bad ways, maybe even harmful ways. I mean, this happened to me a few years back. I was in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, a city I love to visit at this time of year because it has beautiful mountains, beautiful leaves, and it has free fudge samples, all you can eat as you walk up and down the road there. And it has great people watching. So one day I'm sitting there eating my fudge and this van just keeps going up and down the strip, back and forth. And it's one of those black Sprinter vans and it's wrapped in a graphic and the graphic is flames burning people and it says repent or else and then there was a little cutout of a figurine it was blank and it said your name 
here. And as I watched that van go by, I, I couldn't help but wonder how many people had given their lives to Christ because that van drove by back and forth the strip that day. I don't think it was very many people. But that's a lot of times what we have in our minds where we, we think about somebody going door to door and knocking on our door. Or we think about people passing out little tracks here and there. And so we think, you know, if that's evangelism, I don't know if, if that's for me. That makes me fearful and uncomfortable. Or, or we think, okay, Jesus, maybe you're calling us to something else. Maybe there's a different way. Maybe there's a better way. But then fear still rises up in us because of what Casey talked about last week. So many of us have imposter syndrome. We think, how could God be calling me to this type of work when my life is a wreck? When I'm not very put together, when I don't have all the answers, when I... I don't know much about the Bible. I have about two Bible verses memorized. We, we think, who am I to share Jesus Christ with other people? Even this week as I was writing the sermon, fear was creeping in saying, who are you to preach about this? You're not a great evangelist. You're not great at this. Let someone else share. Who do you think you are? That's what fear often tells us. But what I want to remind you of this morning, what I want to remind myself of, are those words that Christ spoke over Simon Peter, those four words, do not be afraid. Remember, Simon Peter hadn't heard many sermons at this point in his life. He wasn't a religious scholar in his day. He was a very flawed person who went on to deny Christ three times. He was pretty messed up, and yet, with his flaws and with his fears, he trusted the calling of Christ. He stepped out in faith, and God used him to make a difference in other people's lives. And what I believe this morning is that, that just as God used an ordinary person like Simon Peter, God wants to use ordinary people like you and like me. It doesn't take much effort to look around and see that people are hurting. People are broken. People are suffering. People need hope and love and forgiveness. And Jesus Christ has chosen to work through people like us. Not in spite of our weaknesses, but even because of our weaknesses. Because when we are weak, He is strong. Now, I did this poll at the 945 service, and the results were abysmal, but I'm going to do it in here. How many of you fish very much? Okay, about six people. There was one person at the other service. And so it's amazing that I know a lot more about fishing than most of you here in this room today, which makes me feel pretty good. And everything I learned about fishing, I learned from my father, who's actually here this morning. And I learned it growing up at Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. I have a picture here of where we used to fish. Some of you don't fish, but you golf, so you might be familiar with this place. This is the 18th tee of Harbortown Golf Links. And there when we'd fish at my grandmother's house, we'd put on rubber boots Going up to our knees, we'd put on our old clothes, we'd get our, our rod and our reel, we'd get our tackle box, and we'd get a net. 
And what we would do is we would, we would walk across the fairway of the 18th hole there. We, we'd run across, actually, and we'd go into the marsh. We'd, we'd stomp on the little reeds there. We'd get in the pluff mud. It was messy. It was kind of mucky. And we would go to those little inlets that you see pictured here. And there we would sit in the hot sun and we would cast the rods again and again and again, hopefully catching a fish. And the things I learned there about fishing, they, a lot of them actually apply to fishing for people as well. And the first thing I learned is that when you're fishing, you can't wait for the fish to come to you. You have to be willing to go to the fish, which is why we ran across the fairway and went to that great fishing spot. Even though security didn't want us out there and the golfers who were paying hundreds of dollars for their round didn't want us going across the golf course either. But we did it because that's where you find fish. And it's the same way with fishing for people. Jesus himself illustrates this most fully. He entered into the mess and the muck of our world. He humbled himself. He came and lived for many years an ordinary life. And then he began preaching and teaching. And we find in Luke's gospel that he began in the synagogue with the religious people, but then he moved beyond the synagogue to the seashore and to the lepers and to people who lived beyond the city gate. And he did that because he knew that all of these people would never step foot in a religious institution for themselves. And so he said, I'm going to go to where you are. He entered into other people's world so that they could enter into his world. And when you fish for people, it's the same. You have to be willing to get uncomfortable to maybe step out of your comfort zone a little bit and not just wait for people to, to come to you, but you have to be willing to go and to engage other people with your own faith. So that's one thing I learned. Another thing I learned is that fishing takes time and patience, which I think is why a lot of people don't fish today. And a lot of times we get frustrated when it comes to sharing our faith because we, we pray for a family member, a son or a daughter to come to know Christ and it feels like the prayer doesn't get answered and so we give up. Or we invite somebody to church and they don't say yes on the first invite and then we say, oh well, I tried. Or we model Christ's love and forgiveness over and over again to somebody, but it, but it doesn't feel like God is at work. But I want to encourage you this morning that so often the way God works is slowly over time as you share with your words and with your actions all that Christ has done for you, as you share his love for other people. But here's the thing, if you've ever been fishing, you know that the mess sometimes you get in, the effort it takes, the patience that it requires, it's all worth it when you get a catch. This is why so many people take pictures of their fish and put it on Facebook because it brings them so much joy. They're so excited, and, and you can imagine Simon Peter, the joy he had when he pulled in that haul of fish that day on the seashore. But as he had that joy mixed with, with fear, something interesting happened, and, and I never noticed it until I recently heard Tim Keller say, if you notice, that he didn't just leave behind his nets and his boat that day. He also left behind something else. 
That day on the seashore after Jesus called him, Simon Peter also left behind the catch of fish. More fish than he ever dreamed of catching in one weekend or maybe even one month or maybe even a year. More money than he would have known what to do with. He left it all behind to follow Christ. And it's as if Christ is saying to him and to us, follow me. Answer the call. And when you go and fish for people and you see me using you to help people experience my love, it's going to bring you greater joy than anything you could ever achieve on your own in this world. And I'm a witness that when you see God using you, even in a small way, in your ordinary everyday life to help someone on their journey of faith, it brings such joy and such satisfaction that you can't help but do it again and again and again. And so the question practically is, well, how do we do this? We have so many examples of of what not to do, but what does it look like to share our faith in today's day and age? And I think it looks different in different times and different cultures. Some things that used to work don't work anymore. And so I want you to think about, and I want you to picture in your mind for a moment, think about who helped introduce you to Christ. How you came to know about His love and His forgiveness and His mercy for you, yourself. My guess is most of you don't have a picture of a sprinter van with flames on it. You probably don't have a picture of a pamphlet or even someone coming to your front door. Instead, you probably have a picture of a person. Maybe a grandmother who took you to church when you were young. A neighbor who invited you or your kids to vacation Bible school and said, you're new, come check it out. Maybe it's a youth pastor. Maybe it's one of the pastors here. Maybe it's just a friend or a coworker. I don't know who it is for you, but for so many of us, the person who introduced us to Christ and helped us on this journey was someone that we know and that we love in our life. For Simon Peter, we find in John's gospel, it was actually his brother Andrew. It was his brother Andrew who said, come and see. Come check out this man named Jesus. And just as God used that ordinary person in your life, God wants to use you. As ordinary, flawed, and fearful as you may feel. You see, sometimes we think we're called to to share our faith with all people, and so we end up sharing it with nobody at all. But you have a sphere of influence. You have friends, you have family members, you have coworkers, you have classmates, you have people you come into contact with on a regular basis. And no one is better suited to share Jesus Christ with them than you are. You already have a relationship with them, it's not transactional. There are opportunities for you to share about your faith and to answer their questions about faith when they come up in conversations. You know the hurts and the deep desires in their lives, and you can pray for them specifically on a regular basis. You have the opportunity to model Christ's love and forgiveness day in and day out. And when if you were to invite them to come with you to church, they'd already have someone to sit with. They would know someone here in this place. But all of that takes us. 
listening to those words of Jesus, do not fear. It takes us realizing that God calls ordinary people like you and like me to do extraordinary things in this world. It takes us trusting him and being obedient, just like Simon Peter was so many years ago. And this is the, the story of a man named Albert McMakin. This is really his story. This is what he did. He was a young farmer, and he knew Christ, and he wanted to share Christ with others. And he lived in a day and age where a lot of people came to faith in big, old-school tent revivals. And so a great evangelist came to his town, and he began inviting his friends. Come on, come in here, come and see, come, come check out this evangelist and hear these great sermons and some of his friends responded but one of his friends just wasn't that interested even though he asked him a few times and finally he was patient with his friend and he said I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up a little bit and so he had heard that there were gonna be riots and maybe even protests at the revival that night because the evangelist was calling out the sins of the community and so he said to his friend hey you need to come check out this preacher and his friend although he wasn't that interested in jesus he was interested in a little drama and so he said okay i'll come tonight and check out see what's happening here and albert even let him drive his milk truck and that made his friend really happy too and the friend had been to church many times he had heard many sermons about jesus but that night as he sat in that tent something was different god touched his heart in a new way and he surrendered his life to Christ and he said, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go and wherever you lead. And that night in 1934, Albert's young friend named Billy Graham had his life transformed forever. And I once heard a preacher say, look, we're not going to all preach to thousands like Billy Graham or like Simon Peter ended up doing. We can't all do that, but we can all be like Albert McMakin. We can all be like Simon Peter's brother, Andrew, and say to those that we love, come and see. Come and hear. Come and meet this man named Jesus. He changed my life for the better. And I believe he wants to change yours as well. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.